Hey friends, before we dive into the episode today, I wanted to personally invite you to Mic Check Retreat, the retreat for podcasters that's happening this June in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'm hosting it and I can't wait for you to join us. So in this three-day retreat, we're going to kick off with a welcome mixer. Then on day two, dive into all things education and workshops. Then day three, we're going to continue those workshops and even have some time for implementation. At this retreat, we are going to be focused on making your podcast work for you, but also connecting with other podcasters to see what's working for them. So make sure you head to micchecksociety.com, find the information about the retreat, and grab your early bird ticket today. I hope to see you there. Back to the episode. As we approach the two-year anniversary of opening the studio by Gaffin Creative, I wanted to share a few big lessons I learned in the last two years when it comes to opening and running a photography studio. Today's episode is all about pulling back the curtain on all the good, some of the bad, and the lessons I've learned while owning a photography studio space. Hey y'all, welcome to the Clocking In Podcast the podcast for entrepreneurs and professionals making their way in the working world. I'm your host, Haley Gaffin. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Gaffin Creative, a podcast production company for creative entrepreneurs. Learn more about our services at gaffincreative.com. Plus, you'll also find resources, show notes, and more for the Clocking In podcast. So let's clock in and get to work. For those of you who are new around here, you probably found me through some type of podcast content, and you know that I produce podcasts for creative entrepreneurs. But I also own and manage a photography studio space in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So back in 2018, I had this idea to start taking brand photos in my area because it wasn't really a big niche back then, and no one in my area was doing it. I also wanted to set myself apart by opening a studio space but I struggled to find a space that was reasonably priced and met all the things that I wanted in a space. So I gave up on the idea because I realized I wasn't booking enough photo shoots to make it worth my time or the rent. And looking back, I really had no plan on what I would do with this space. Fast forward to 2019, when I was booking more headshot clients, meeting with brands for my side hustle, helping them with marketing, websites, and social media, And I soon realized that I could use a studio space for more than just my photography. I could use it as a meeting space instead of trying to connect at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts when you have all these interruptions. So on my way home from a Starbucks meeting one day, I passed what is my now studio space, and I saw that it was available for rent. I called, set up a tour, outlined a plan for a remodel, pitched it to the landlord, and boom, I began renovating that space two weeks later. So now it's been over a year and a half since opening. We've been through a global pandemic and it feels as though we rose above so many obstacles. So I wanted to share a few lessons that I learned along the way that I think other photographers who are looking to open a space should consider. These lessons will include a few things that I planned that worked out in my favor that I'd also recommend to photographers, a few that I never considered, and things that I've put into place based on some experiences I've had over the last year and a half. So let's start with the planning of the studio. Finding a space that was perfect for what I wanted was not easy. Honestly, like I said, I started in 2018 looking for a space, but just couldn't find it. 
And truthfully, there are still so many things that I would change about my space, but it does take time and money and resources. So the space I'm in right now barely looks like what it did on tour day. I had planned a one month remodel, spent about two and a half months remodeling due to some construction delays and issues. And I invested a little over $2,500 in this remodel. But thankfully, I have the world's best landlord who exchanged the upgrades for rent credit during that time because he knew I was making such great improvements to the space, so he was really supportive about it. My studio had yellow walls and blue carpet when I moved in, and the construction delays came when we realized that there was old hardwood under the carpet in two of the rooms, which meant that I needed to hire someone to remove it so that the floor was level throughout the whole space. Now, I won't go too far into detail, but let's just say that contractor didn't do a great job and he caused more issues than he resolved. So this delayed my opening by about a month. Long story short, we got it all worked out, but it was a ton of manual work, stress, and I essentially was out of full month's rent due to the delays of this one person. If I had to go back and redo the entire remodel, I do a few things differently. I would have checked every room's foundation before moving forward. I would have determined worst case scenarios for every situation I was put in. And I definitely would have given myself a little more time for construction and maybe taken some time off of work to do that construction myself. Because when you're relying on someone else to do the work and you're not doing it yourself, you're working on their timeline, especially when it comes to contractors in the construction space. All in all, I'm really happy with how it turned out. The space is stunning and it's almost unrecognizable now from where I started. So I'll make sure to share a few before and after photos in the show notes on my website at gaffincreative.com slash 012 so that you can see the transformation. Now let's talk about how the delay didn't completely kill my chances of opening a successful photography studio. Before I ever opened the space, I decided that I needed to save up enough money in my business to continue to pay myself as I had always done, while also being able to afford rent for at least six months while I was still growing the business. So I opened the studio in 2019 while I still had a 40-hour week client, which was essentially, it's a, it's a full-time job. So I knew that it was likely that I wouldn't be able to cover the rent costs with my sessions alone if I wanted to work and make money. So I set aside the money in my business account to cover for up to six months of rent as a just in case, because the last thing I wanted to do was shoot five sessions a month and every penny go to the studio rent and then not be able to actually profit any money. So I did just that. I officially announced the opening of the studio at the beginning of October. Mind you, I had gotten into that space the last week of July. October of 2019 would be the official opening date of the studio by Gaffin Creative. When I opened, I was in the photography studio every single day because if I was paying for a space, I was going to be there. I actually did not have a studio rental until I believe it was December of 2019. So it was two months later. And because photography isn't the majority of my business income, it meant that all of the profit that I made from my photo sessions went straight to rent for the first two months of being open. Thankfully, that wasn't necessarily the case because I had set aside the money for it, so I looked at it as an investment. 
Finally, in January of 2020, I made more than my rent and studio rentals, and I finally felt a sense of uptick in my investment. I was finally making a profit. February was the same, followed by a fully booked March with more profit. And you guessed it, the world shut down. (laughs) I remember in the same day getting 10 different messages from late March and early April bookings asking what my cancellation policy would be with COVID. Like many people in my industry, it was a very tough time. Those messages were followed by even more messages through the end of April and into May, and honestly, I thought I was going to have to close the studio. We couldn't shoot. We couldn't rent. We couldn't be out of our houses. I could not do anything with the space. So I decided to tell each renter that they could have a credit for their payment and that as the space was open, they would be able to use it at a later date. Those deposits and fully paid rentals covered the expenses for rent in April and May, but when June hit, and our town started to allow businesses to operate again, and all of those credits were being used, I had to fork out that backlog of my own saved money to cover rent while I was waiting for approval for PPP. Thankfully, I received it, and rent was covered by that while I waited for all of those extra credits to be used. Honestly, none of us ever expected a global pandemic. I know we've all heard that. None of us wanted it to happen, and I'm truly shocked that the studio is still open today. I sometimes sit back and wonder how. How was my studio profitable during that time? How do we come back? Honestly, without that saved money from when I first opened, I don't think I could have covered rent. Without reasonable and wonderful photographers who didn't bash me in the community for not giving them their deposits back, I don't know that I could have paid rent. Without that support and encouragement I had through that time, I really don't think the studio would have survived. So if I could give a piece of advice to a photographer looking to open a photography studio space, it would be to ensure that you can pay for the space for at least six months without any renters or photo shoots. And as a bonus tip, figure out how much you personally have to shoot in the space to pay for it and make sure that owning a studio space is beneficial to you versus renting someone else's space. After I opened, I quickly learned a really big lesson. Create a system for rentals that works for you and set good expectations. I use HoneyBook to manage my inquiries, bookings, contracts, and payments. My renters can either email me to ask for availability or inquire on my website. Let's walk through what my process currently looks like really quickly. And if y'all want a more detailed episode on how I use HoneyBook, please let me know and I'll share more. First things first, I have an entire web page dedicated to the studio for renters. It shares all the rooms as they currently are, details on how rental works, rates, and a form on how to book. Once they inquire, I have templates to help with any potential question, request, and denial of studio rental. Once we have all the answers from the potential renter, they're sent a proposal where they have to pay a 50% deposit and the other 50% is due one week before their rental. Within the proposal email, I highlight the key details they need to know about rental and what to expect from me. The day before their rental, they'll get a reminder email with a code to get in, a reminder of some of the most important rules and the address to share with their clients. After the rental, If they haven't already or haven't in a while, they'll receive a feedback form and a request for a Google review. This has helped so much with what I do for improvements to the studio, but it also makes them feel like the space is for them. 
I'm actively listening to their requests and concerns. Now, if you're looking for a project management tool for your business, I highly recommend HoneyBook. I've been using them since before I opened the studio and I manage all of my clients there. You can use the link in my show notes for a free one week trial plus 50% off your first year. In addition to that, if you're looking for someone to help you build out a full suite of email templates, brochures, questionnaires, applications, and more, I do offer one-on-one style coaching for studio owners who want to streamline their business. It's not something I advertise too often, but I know how tough it can be to go through these lessons on your own and not have a workflow set up and in place. So if you're interested, reach out to me via my website or shoot me a DM on Instagram. Now, speaking of setting expectations in those emails that I send out, it's important to actually create boundaries to protect yourself and your space. The first thing I want to know is boundaries with communication. I highlight in the signature of my email what my office hours are, and then I prefer to keep all conversations about rentals in my emails. Now, I'll definitely answer DMs about the space, but I prefer to push people to email me or inquire on my website to actually book the space. I do this because I need to be able to reference a conversation and only have one place to go instead of four. In addition, I typically don't respond to messages or email at night or on weekends, but I do take the time on weekends to answer inquiries because I don't want them to wait more than 24 hours before they hear back from me, especially if it's a last minute rental for the upcoming week and I have the availability. The next boundary I set for my space is who actually gets to rent the space. This section is Probably the one that makes owning a studio sound awful, but I promise once you set expectations, figure out what you prefer and find the right renters, you'll love every moment of it. After a few really tough situations with renters, I added a rental application for photographers that I don't know. This came about after renting to people who weren't running a legit business and people who didn't respect my space. So holes in walls, scratches, furniture, torn, missing misusing my personal gear, and just people who were really disrespectful to me in communication or disrespectful to my space caused me to realize that I needed to set better boundaries. Let me share a few examples. The first example is disrespecting my space. If someone comes in and leaves the space an absolute mess, doesn't take care of watching how they move furniture, therefore scratching my walls, and just makes it obvious I try to communicate the issues with them and more times than not, they end up on a list of people I don't rent to anymore if they can't respect the feedback or they don't change their behaviors. The second example is when people just don't respect me as the owner of the studio. If someone gets mad at me because I don't have the availability they want, it's a red flag. It's happened where I've been called a liar when I told someone an entire week was booked. So I had to set a boundary to not rent to someone like that because their money is not worth the anxiety that conversations with them bring on. I've also been told that a photographer was talking bad about me to their clients so that the client wouldn't book me for photos in my space over them for a type of photography that I didn't even offer. Little did they know I knew that client. So because of that, now that photographer doesn't even get the opportunity to rent from me when they could have just respected me and allowed me to refer them when I got inquiries for that type of shoot. So since we're talking about boundaries, let's go ahead and talk about rules. (laughs) I do have rules listed in my emails and contracts that I request not be broken. This includes moving furniture unless discussed prior, being respectful of noise levels considering the neighbors who are in the complex, 
no damaging walls or nails in walls, and being present with your clients and not leaving them alone in this space. I share these rules in my contract, the proposal email, and the reminder email, as I want to make sure that my renters know the rules and know that I'm serious about them. While I have rules in place, it's also important for any potential photography studio owner to know that rules will be broken, which means you need to budget for maintenance and replacing items. This lesson kind of feels like a lot of work, but you'll realize it just comes with the territory of letting other people use your space. And not only that, but your own photography clients will also cause some of the problems. So I've had tons of items broken, ripped, stained, you name it. If I can't fix it, I either replace it or I just toss it. It sucks to put your money into something that someone else breaks, but this is where those boundaries come in and establishing a relationship with your renters so that they respect your space. Now, before I move on to the maintenance part of this, I do want to say that I have some of the best renters. It took a while to get here to figure out who I could trust and really set those boundaries. But honestly, I don't have any renters now that I don't enjoy renting to. Like most of my renters are complete gems and I'm so thankful for them. Now back to the maintenance. Scuffs and dirty walls are going to happen. Between rentals, I go through and I check for these things. Usually a magic eraser will do the trick, but that's not to say you won't have to touch up with a fresh coat of paint every now and then. Not only with renters, but there are times I've created a really cool piece of art on the wall. For Christmas, I had a wall of wreaths, but that means I have to fill all those holes and repaint it when I take it down. In addition to that, it's not just me. I have had renters break the rules in the past of the no nails or damage to the walls. They've used nails, they've used command hooks, and even command hooks can sometimes rip the paint off your wall. So I've had to patch and repaint, and because this is a photography studio, it is meant to be photographed, and the last thing I want is for a renter to have to edit holes out of the walls. <laughs> so I definitely set aside a budget to at least maintain paint touch-ups every quarter, if not more often. And you'll need to replace blankets, pillows, plants, all those types of things that wear down over time. And the last lesson that I learned and probably the best investment I've made and advise any photography studio owner to make is the investment in a security system and a keypad for your door. So my security system actually came out of fear of two things. <laughs> one was that I was alone in a space and wanted some type of security for both my protection of someone possibly showing up unexpectedly or for headshots of people that I didn't know coming into the space. The second reason I decided to get a security system was I kept having recurring dreams that someone would break into my space and trash it. They never stole anything in these dreams, but they just kept breaking in and trashing it. So I wanted to make sure that it was documented in some way if it ever happened in real life and that I could do something about it. Now, I do give my clients a heads up that there are security cameras in the space so that they and their clients don't feel uncomfortable when they see them. The other component that I added for security and convenience is a keypad for getting into the space. When I first opened the studio and started running it out to photographers, I would personally drive to the studio and meet them at the studio to unlock the door, and I'd ask them to lock it when they left. And let me tell you why this didn't work. One, I was wasting so much time for so little money when people were running for just one hour. Now, if it was a full day rental, no big deal. 
But it also made it to where if someone was renting a full day, they couldn't be flexible in what time they arrived. This wasn't productive or efficient for me because I was wasting a lot of time. Additionally, I'd ask them to lock the door when they left, and I'd say about 25% of the time a renter would forget, which left my studio open for anyone to get into. In adding a keypad code, I was able to reduce my time at the studio in half per renter because, you know, I still have to go clean it afterwards, but it improved both my productivity, the efficiency, and the security because when they leave, they're asked to lock the door, and rather than driving all the way out there to check, I can simply check my phone and see if the door was locked, and if it wasn't, I can remotely lock it. So overall, the security was probably the best investment I made in my space because it relieved a ton of stress I never realized that I would have when opening my photography studio. Now, I'd love to know if you're interested in opening a studio space. What's holding you back? Or how has your experience been as a studio owner? And if you're in the Chattanooga area and are interested in renting the studio by Gaffin Creative, I would absolutely love to talk to you and invite you to my Facebook group for photographers in this area, so shoot me a DM. Or if you're a studio owner and hoping to learn more about my workflows in HoneyBook, I offer one-on-one coaching and workflow implementation services with email templates, brochures, and feedback questionnaires that I've created for my own brand that we can customize just for your space. I really hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you're loving this podcast and the content I've been putting out, I would so appreciate a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts app. Thanks so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Clocking In Podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode and more at gaffincreative.com. Thank you so much for your listenership and support. If you love this episode, I'd be so honored if you'd leave me a review in the Apple Podcasts app. Until next time, I'm your host, Haley Gaffin, Clocking Out. So if you're still around... It means you've stuck around to hear who I'm cheering for this week. So thank you so much. And this week, I am cheering for my dear friend and social media expert, Ansley Walls. She and I have been connected for years in the advertising world and just reconnected this last week over some really cool things she's planning for in her business. I know a lot of times that taking big leaps is scary. And I also know the return those plans can make for your life and business. If you're looking to do something big, like open a studio, invest in education, or invest in a new service to help you in your business, it is so important for you to weigh the benefits, and then if you move forward, trust the process. So while I'm cheering for Ansley this week, I'm also cheering for those of you who are looking at the next steps in your business and considering big leaps for your future. Don't forget to cheer for someone this week, and until next time, I'm clocking out.